we're wrapping up the series today. It's been 10 weeks, guys. I don't know if you've been counting. I certainly have. 10 weeks ago now, it was the week before Easter, we kicked off uh, this series, What is Real Life? A study, a look into the book of 1 John. Who here has enjoyed the series? Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the series. It's been a bit interesting. I was looking back at it and I was like, man, like we've actually spent 10 weeks looking at the book of John, yet it hasn't really felt that long. Because 10 weeks is a long time. Like, I mean, 10 weeks ago was before Easter. Ten, I wasn't even married 10 weeks ago and now I'm married. So like, to me, it's long, um, but it doesn't feel long. And so I was, I was looking back through and, you know, re-listening to some of the sermons that we've heard preached um, over the last 10 weeks, two and a half months. And there, there's just so much good stuff. There is so much good stuff that we've had shared with us, that we've read, that we've studied, that we've learned, that we've talked about. I, I've just been super encouraged by this book, by the, the words, by the wisdom. It's been challenging like really challenging in some areas. And uh, today I want to, I just want to talk about stewarding, like stewardship. I want to talk about how do we steward what we've heard, what we've received, what we've learnt over the past 10 weeks. Now, when you, when you think of the word steward, when I first used to think of the word, I used to think of an aeroplane steward stewardess kind of person, you know, someone that would serve you while you're on a plane and, and that kind of thing. But there's actually, I think the word steward is actually like a really significant word. Um, and, it, and it's mentioned a couple of times in the Bible. It's really significant. And, and basically what the word means to sum it up, it means to, to be entrusted to take care of a house or to, to be entrusted to take care of something. That's what the word steward means, to be trusted to take care of something. And so I want to look at kind of recapping what we've learnt and then talk about how can we steward this moving forward. You know, and and we're going to look at an example um, in the Old Testament of of a story where someone didn't steward something greatly or correctly um, and something bad happened. And then I'm going to, we're going to look at how can we steward this ourselves? How can we take hold of what's been entrusted to us? and actually make it grow and see it come to fruition, see it come to pass. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to 1 John, and we're going to be reading the last little bit of 1 John in chapter 5. So put a finger in there, and then you can also turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and put a finger in there as well. Give you two in one. If you're on your phone, then unfortunately you're going to have to go to one and then the other. So we'll start in 1 John. And and I'm going to read through the portion of scripture and and then just highlight a couple of key things that I think are really important for us when we think about and and discuss and and dwell upon the term of stewardship. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, him being God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees a brother sinning, which does not, in a sin that does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death 
I do not say that he should not pray about that as well. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true and we, we are in him who is true and he, his Son is Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. These seven verses are quite a mouthful. I've read them a good 15, 20 times this week, and each time I stumble over myself. It might be because of my reading ability, but it, I think it's also because there, there's quite a lot in these 10 verses. Sorry, seven verses, not 10 verses. If you notice, if you ignore the verse numbers and you notice the themes, there are one, two, three, four, five separate themes within these seven verses. The first theme is in verse 14 and 15, and it's talking about us having confidence in God's will for our lives, knowing that if we ask something that is in his will, we, we know because we have confidence in him. The next two verses are talking about sin um, and praying for those around us who may be living in unrighteousness. And then the next two verses are talking about whoever's been born of God, knowing that we are of God, knowing that when we are of God, that there is no unrighteousness. And then it goes on to talk about the Son of God and how he has come to give us understanding. And then it finishes with one verse at the end saying, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. I think these five different themes, segments, when you put them together, they all point towards how can we steward that which the Lord has said? How can we take care of what he has spoken to us? And now the writer is obviously saying these in the context of the message that has been delivered in the previous four chapters. For us, it is the same. We've looked over the last 10 weeks, as I said before, we've gone through this sermon series and there's been so much content. There's been so much that we've learned, so much that we've heard, so much that we've been challenged in. And so I want to just revisit a couple of things from each of those weeks and just as to serve as a reminder, you know, because so often in our lives, we're consuming so much stuff and, and some things can, can come in one ear and, you know, and go out the other ear. And that shouldn't be happening with God's word. So let's revisit a couple of little things that like I believe have been significant as we've gone through this series. We started off hearing about the difference between union and fellowship and, and how union is something that is established. God sent Jesus to die on the cross and Christ died and paid for our sins and forever established union between us and the Father. And then we looked at how fellowship is conditional to our choice. That by our choice to commune with God, by our choice to involve him in our lives, by our choice to you know, spend time with him, read his word, learn about him, that is us fellowshipping with him. You know, we've, we've learned multiple times now in, in different ways about love. If you were to generalize the book of 1 John, the main theme that people would probably pull out is love. 
You know, we've, ta- we've learned about how God loves us. We've learned how he first loved us, and, and then that's how we love the world. We've learned about agape love. We've learned about the different types of love and how they affect us and involved in our lives. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we learned from uh, three amazing experts on love, thanks to Katie, Lockie, and Ruben. That was phenomenal hearing you guys explain love. We learned from three experts about how love is different to every single person. And sometimes, you know, love as a, a theme or a topic can be quite complicated. And so we learned how to, we boiled love down to the phrase which Matt shared, um, which is love is championing the possibilities in those around us. Love is championing the possibilities in those around us. You know, there are so many little things that we've learned throughout this series. And if we're not careful, you know, they can come in one ear and go out the other. When we think about stewardship, I was, I was thinking this morning, I was talking to Lisa this morning about, you know, what, what does stewardship look like in life? And I was asking her, have you seen me steward something like practically in life? You know, because I, I love taking a, a topic and finding a practical outworking of it. And I was like, babe, like surely there's something practical that I've stewarded. And we couldn't think of anything. I'm sure I have practically stewarded things, but I couldn't think of anything in the moment. But whilst she was sharing and talking, I thought of something. And it came to mind, and it's not about me, but it's about her. And so I'm going to, but I'm going to share it. It's really, it's actually a really beautiful example of stewarding something. Lisa loves plants. Like, oh my Lord, Lisa loves plants. When I say Lisa loves plants, that is like, I'm like saying it like, really loudly and exaggerating times that by like 100 million thousand and that's the amount that Lisa loves plants it's kind of annoying how much she loves plants we have in our family room dining area there's literally like 12 plants maybe in our dining area alone throw in like some in the study some in our bedroom some in the bathrooms there's plants even in the laundry we practically live in a greenhouse, like legit, like I'm not, I'm not joking, we live in a greenhouse. It's so funny, you know, there are so many little things that Lisa does to take care of her plants. She went to Bunnings and she bought something called a moisture meter and basically you stick it into the soil and it like measures how much water is in the soil and you know how much more water the soil may need or if it's too wet or it's too dry you know she goes to Bunnings and she buys a potting mix you know like all organic cactus potting mix because apparently it's good for the plants and you know she buys really good shearers to cut them and you know she waters her plants and she puts like milk on her plants because apparently that does something for your plants and she puts cinnamon on the soil to stop bugs coming in The list is literally endless with what Lisa does with her plants. Every day when I wake up, my job, my first job, my first job in the morning is to go down to our living room and I have to open every single one of our blinds because Lisa wants the optimum amount of time for her plants to get sun. So I go down and open up our blinds. Like every day there are endless tasks and things that she does to take care of her plants. Nathan, why are you sharing about Lisa's plants? Well, I I think if you can start to see, Lisa deeply cares about her plants, and so she stewards what she's bought. She has entrusted herself to take care of a full greenhouse, and she does that diligently 
every single day, checking all of her plants every single day, ensuring that they're healthy, ensuring that they're growing. I got thinking like, what if we did the same with the word of God? What if we did the same with the prophetic words that have been spoken over our lives? What if we did the same with the the goals and the dreams and the vision that we feel like God has given us? Looking at how our plants are thriving, I would dare to say that if we took the same care and we put in the same amount of effort and, you know, we, we, we diligently and intentionally took care of the things of God in our life, imagine what could happen. Imagine the growth. Imagine the, the new things growing. Imagine the change, the transformation. How are we stewarding that which has been entrusted to us? How are we stewarding it? If you want to turn to 2 Samuel, for those who have been putting a finger in it and bookmarking it, we can turn to 2 Samuel. We're going to read this story, and it's the story of David and Bathsheba. For me, this passage, I think, it's almost in the first verse, there is so much significance in just the first verse alone of this passage. And, and I really believe it's a key when it comes to stewarding that which God has given us. So we're in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. Pay attention because it's, it's literally the first verse where the nugget of wisdom is. And it happened in the spring of the year at the times when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah but David remained in Jerusalem pay attention because that's the key right there then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And then David sent messages and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, and she was cleansed with impurity, and she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. And so she sent and told David that I am with child. Now, I'm not going to go on and read the rest of the story, but for those of you who don't know, so Bathsheba gets pregnant. David freaks out because he's like, oh my gosh, like I've sinned. I've slept with another man's wife. He's in battle. I'm not. And so David brings Uriah back to Jerusalem and he tries to get Uriah a couple of times to go to his wife's house and to to lay with his wife um, so that David can hide the pregnancy. Uriah doesn't sleep with his wife. And in the end, David then decides to send him back to battle. He tells the commander, Joab, put Uriah in the most dangerous place, like put him in a place where surely he won't live. And Uriah ends up being killed in battle. David and Bathsheba end up getting married and the Lord's displeased. That's a full story. But the, the significance is, is here in verse 1, and I'm going to read it again. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when the kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. 
David remained in Jerusalem. David remained in Jerusalem during the time when kings went out to battle. David was entrusted by God and by the people of Israel to be their leader. And the time when David was called to to steward or to complete his responsibility of going out to battle, he chose to stay in Jerusalem. And look what happened because of his choice. I think it's so, this verse is super significant for us to understand and to, to be aware of when we think about stewarding that which has been entrusted to us. David was entrusted everything. And one choice put him in a position where he was vulnerable to a whole lot of other bad choices. And now I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest that by us making choices that aren't stewarding what God has entrusted to us are going to lead to really bad things happening like that. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm suggesting and what I'm encouraging is that we notice where David fell short and we don't make the same mistake that David did. That we notice where he fell short, that we notice that he chose to to not steward what was entrusted to him. That we notice that, that it inspires us to actually go on and, and do the opposite of what he did. You see, because there are a lot of, as, as I said, and, and as we've experienced, there are a lot of things that we've learnt in this series. There are a lot of things that we, we may have heard from God in this series. Maybe you've heard from God like direction and vision like you've never heard before. over the last couple of weeks. You know, maybe there was a prophetic word like five years ago that God spoke to you and maybe it's only starting to come apart. You know, maybe, I I don't know what the Lord has entrusted you with, but I do know that there will be something for every one of us. I want to see us be a people that are good stewards of that which has been entrusted to us. That we are a people that when we hear the will of God, we live it out. That we are a people that when we, we know we are sons and daughters, that we know we are of God, that we live believing that. That we are a people who know that Jesus died and rose again and overcame, which has given us victory that we actually live believing that. Stewarding isn't easy. Sometimes you don't want to do the things that you know you have to do. Sometimes it's easier to lay it aside. Sometimes it's easier to, to choose to not do that. But the cost and the possibilities that could come because of that decision, we, we don't really want to go down that road. I remember a few years ago, I received, I received a prophetic word. I was at a church, and this is the only time it's ever happened to me. The minister 
at that church, he, he was on stage and he was like, oh, I believe I have a few prophetic words for some people. And he, he said, like, is there a Nathan in the room? Just from stage, he was like, there's a Nathan in here. Where are you? Like, where's this Nathan? Stand up. And I was like, holy moly. Like, he's just called me out in a room, like, filled with a few hundred people. Like, what the heck? Like, I'll, I'll stand up. And so I stood up and he shared this word. Now, in the moment, I couldn't really tell you what he said. I was, like, still in shock from the fact that he called me out and called out my name and then proceeded to prophesy over me in front of like a couple of hundred people. I was like, what the heck? Like what's happening to me? You know? And so in that moment, I didn't really hear the word nor understand the word. But what I did do was I recorded it on my phone. And so when I got home, I listened to the recording. I re-listened to the recording. I re-listened to the recording. And there was a whole bunch of stuff in there that was just like ridiculously accurate. This was before I went to the States, to BSSM. And he actually prophesied over me saying like, you're, you're coming into a time, um, it's going to be like a few months ahead where you're going to go and study. And uh, this guy literally never met him before in my life. He said like, you, you're going to go and study and it's going to be like, God's removing you from where you're at and he's placing you in somewhere different and it's going to be like this pasture. It's going to just, it's going to change your life. Uh, like a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, this guy's literally like reading, like reading my mail. He knows this about me. And I, I didn't pick that up in the moment, but when I went home and I, and I listened to it, I was like, what the heck? Like, God, like, I can't believe you spoke so specifically to me. Wow. Like, you know, and, and it really ministered to my heart. I, I made a choice in that moment to take it one step further. I actually, I typed up the word that I received, the recording. I typed it up and I printed it out so that I had a physical copy of it as well. And over the next few months when, you know, times would get hard and I was, at that point in time, I was working at the chicken factory and a lot of you remember me when I was working at the chicken factory. I hated working at that silly chicken factory. It was not fun at all. Everyone's laughing here. It was literally like one of the most trying times of my life, you know, getting up at 4am every day to go feed thousands of chickens to collect eggs and get scratched and pooped on and all that kind of stuff. I hated that job. And, you know, there were some days where I was just like, oh God, like I can't do this today. Like to the point where I was like, I couldn't even pray for more strength because I was just done. But that job allowed me to save enough money to be able to go over to America to study. And so I would pull out that word and I would read that word sometimes, you know, once every couple of weeks or, you know, on a day where it was really tough. And I would read that word and I would let the words that he spoke, seeing the future that was coming, you know, the things that God had planned for me, you know, the, the truth about who God was revealing himself to me. I tell you, if I didn't have that word, I don't know if I could have completed like finished working at that job to the extent that I did and saved the money that I was able to save and therefore get to America. I really don't know. I could, I could speculate, but I was, I was real close to quitting, like really, really close to quitting. But I, I took the word of God, I made it applicable, and I stewarded it. It wasn't always easy. And sometimes it required me to be playing, you know, driving 50 minutes to work playing at 4am in the morning, playing the word as I'm driving in the car, because I just, I, I just, I needed 
the strength for the day? What has God given to you? What has God entrusted to you in this season that you're currently in? Just think about that for a second. What have you received? What have you heard? What have you learned that is from God that he has entrusted to you in this season? And how are you going to steward it? How are you going to steward it? Because I, I can guarantee that God has all given you something. That there'll be something on your mind, whether it be super practical, you know, maybe this really large prophetic word that you've been holding on to for ages, like whatever it may be. But what, what is currently entrusted into your hands that the Lord has asked you to take care of in this season? And how... How, how can you begin or maybe continue to take care of it? Just in closing, I just want to take the themes that are in, in 1 John chapter 5. And I, and I boiled them down to five, to five points that I, I believe are really great in helping us continue to steward that which has been given to us. The first point is that God hears us. God hears us when we ask according to his will. It says it right here. When we think about stewarding, like we first have to be entrusted with something to steward before we can start stewarding something. And so I want to encourage you that in your times of prayer, in your times of reading the word, that you would know and believe that God speaks, but that he also hears, that he hears your prayers. Take courage in the fact that he hears when you ask according to his will. The second point is accountability. When it's talking about us praying for God to give life to those who commit sin, I think of accountability. As I mentioned before, with the flower, like with Lisa's plants, now she doesn't give me a lot of responsibility in terms of taking care of her plants because I probably couldn't do it. But I'm responsible to, to wake up in the morning and to open the blinds. I'm a big boy. Look at me. I'm opening the blinds every morning. It's a simple task, but it's a significant task because, you know, Lisa won't wake up till like, I don't know, 11 a.m. in the morning. I'm joking, she doesn't wake up at 11 a.m. She wakes up at about 8, 8.30. But you know, that's a whole hour and a half of sunlight that hasn't been on the plants. And so I'm entrusted, I'm held accountable, you know, every morning. Babe, did you open the blinds? Babe, did you open the blinds? Nathan, did you open the blinds? Every morning, I'm held accountable to the thing that I've been entrusted to. And so I think it's significant that when we're working at stewarding the things that have been entrusted to us, that we involve people in it, that we bring in people, that we, that we entrust the people around us to hold us accountable to the things that we've been entrusted with. That's key number two. Key number three is knowing who we are in God. Who we are in God. Knowing that we are his sons and daughters. It says here that in verse 18, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. He keeps himself. 
We have to know, we have to know, we have to believe that which we are called, which is sons and daughters of God. And we have to keep ourselves in that truth. No matter what our feelings may say, no matter what our exterior circumstances are dictating, we have to hold ourselves, we have to keep ourselves in the truth. Hold on to the truth. That's key number three. Key number four is that we have been given understanding. It says that those who are in him, who is true, is in Jesus Christ. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Pray for wisdom. I can't help but think what would have happened if David, in his moment of weakness, in his moment where he chose, had stopped and prayed for wisdom from God, for God to lead him. And the key to remember is to lead him and ask of God according to his will. As it says in verse 14. See how these are all tying together. And the final one, and I'm going to finish on this, is little children, keep yourselves from idols. We need to keep Jesus the main thing. We have to keep Jesus at the center. Because there's no point stewarding something if it doesn't lead us back to him. If it doesn't bring us closer to him, if it doesn't, if it doesn't encourage us to learn more about him. Five keys to, to help us steward that which has been entrusted to us. I'm just believing and I believe that there are there are significant things that have been spoken to you, whether it be through other people or directly from God in this season. I believe there are really significant things that the Lord has laid on people's hearts, that the Lord has commissioned you in, that the Lord has inspired you in. And as a body, we need to be a people that steward that which has been entrusted to us. If you want to close your eyes and, and bow your heads, I just want to pray. Father, I just, Lord, I just ask that you would give us the ability to be good stewards. Lord, that you, would, that you would give us wisdom. God, that we would be people that know, hear, and trust your voice. God, that we would be people that hold each other accountable. Lord, that we would be people that believe who we are and whose we are. And God, that we would be people that keep Jesus, your son, the victorious one at the center of our lives. God, that we would be people that don't just say, but people that do. God, that we would be people of action. Father, would you give us the strength? Would you give us the courage? Would you increase our faith to have, continue to have confidence that you are who you say you are? And that in turn, we are who you say we are. And that the words you have spoken will come to pass. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, we, we, we had this question from the sermon series, what is real life? That was the thing that encompassed our whole sermon series, what is real life? And real life is everything that we've talked about in the last 10 weeks. 
Real life is everything that I've shared about today. And I want to encourage you that to take, to take these words, to take the, like, you know, go back and listen to the podcasts from the last 10 weeks and to, to take it and make it a part of our lives. Because that's the whole point of this, you know, what we've shared and what's been shared is just words. They, they may be God's words, they, they're some with our words, but they're, they're just words. And unless we pick them up and we, we implement them and we implant them into our lives, they just stay as words. So I just want to encourage you with that, just to pick them up and to, to like, let's get into real life as the Bible describes real life.